Briggs, and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with my friend, Morris Sachs. Good morning, Morris. Liam, how are you this fine day? Wonderful, wonderful. I also want to say good morning to Dr. Torsten Slock. <laughs> and everybody and everybody over at Apollo. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Dr. Slock. Um, and good morning, folks, Apollo. And Don't good morning to me. Marco Marco Kalanovich, too. Good morning, Marco. I want to welcome in all our loyal listeners. Dr. And the guys Slock. at Bloomberg. Let's not forget the Bloomberg people. All my friends over at Bloomberg, especially Bloomberg Surveillance, uh, Tom Keen, John Farrell, Lisa Abramowitz, Michael Barr, everybody. Good morning, folks. It's nice to see all of you on this want on this wonderful Sunday morning where we had an exciting week in the markets. We have a, a holiday weekend coming up um, and a lot of good action to discuss with my denizen of the bond world, Morris. So welcome, welcome all listeners, especially the platinum subscribers. Good morning, platinum folks. Okay. First of all, let me get the executive producer credits out of the way. Of course, life coach, Leslie Harris, um, my good friend, uh, as yours, uh, Edward George Fisher. Yep. Morning. Credit. And, uh, uh, a friend of mine, named Jeff. I've asked him if he wanted an executive producer credit, but he said no. Okay. Um, he likes to keep a low profile. And Understood. in his line of work, you know, it, it's important to stay out of the public eye. So that's um, interesting because a lot of people really thrust themselves into the public eye. Um, you know, we, we touched on it last week, people that like to talk publicly about their trades and about their book. Uh, but I understand someone in your circle trying to keep out of the public view um, because, you know, what what are the pros of, of, of entering the public realm? Well, I, I made a blunder yesterday. I, I've said many times uh, I have anger management issues. And we had an incident here yesterday. And um, please go on. No, go on. I well, day one, <laughs> day yeah. two, or day two, we had well, in my defense, and clearly, I don't have much of one. <laughs> uh, yesterday morning, I was awakened by my good friend and co host Liam Allen, oh, who was upset because it had become apparent on that cesspool of Twitter. Uh, Dr. Slock had been cribbing some of our material. Uh, maybe not. Maybe it's a coincidence. But, you know, it, this was not us bringing it up. But um, anyway, you know, I'm not a uh, – I was on Twitter uh, for I, – I don't know. I mean – And minutes. It, it, it was It was almost as long – is the time I worked for Bobo's hedge fund. That's how <laughs> short a period of time it was. But, um, you know, the Twitter is kind of funny. Um, the comment was made to me by my friend Jeff. He just talked, I, I sent him a note saying, do you, because um, he has a Tesla, as as does uh, uh, Mrs. Sachs. And both these people are of, the, the Jewish faith, and um, Elon has had some 
had a difficult time. And as my 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 friend Jeff said, he he blows up Twitter, blows up relationships with the Jews, and today blew up a rocket. I'm detecting a pattern. Um, you, you know, we talked about uh, Torsen Slock copying. You know, I think it goes deeper than that because, um, you know, the quasi-anti-Semitic comments from Elon Musk happened not long after uh, we on this podcast, Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut, I, I think I remarked how shitty the car is or something to that extent. And the next thing you know, he's smashing the Jews. But, um, you know, he suffers from uh, autism. And, um, you know, uh, I don't have a degree in psychiatry or neurology, but I'm, I'm well familiar with those things. And there's a couple of people in the public domain, um, Elon Musk, and then the low-hanging fruit, Kathy Wood. And, and I've diagnosed them with uh, personality disorders. Um, let's start with Kathy Wood um, first. And um, I'm reading from Google. So if I'm wrong, I would take it up with Google. But quoting, narcissistic personality disorder is a mental health condition in which people have an unreasonably high sense of their own importance. They need and seek too much attention and want people to admire them. People with this disorder may lack the ability to understand or care about the feelings or others. And I might add just as an aside, editor's note, or the financial well-being of others. And, you know, Kathy, where are the customers' yachts? You know? Um, she had a I good week. She ripped. She had a big week. <laughs> there was talk well, about how 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 well Ark did this week. <laughs> well, it's because, as she said, well, you know, when the bond market rallies, our stocks will do well. We opined when something you claim to have a compound annual growth rate of forty percent, <laughs> whether the ten-year note yields of four or five, I I don't see how that comes into play, but. Um, in any event, uh, without doing the Hava, um, Old Chestnut, again, had a, a successful week. Um, people are now searching for uh, yield. And um, But uh, before uh, I get too far down the rabbit hole of slamming people, um, I'd like to talk, if you don't mind, a little bit about the GOAT, Stanley Druckenmuller. And he has gone on record talking about owning a massive amount of two-year notes levered. And in that instance, what that indicates to me is he's probably bought the two-year futures. Okay, because to leverage a treasury, the way you would go about doing it is you would go to a bank 
and you would do a repurchase agreement, which involves all, all sorts of legal documentation. And there's, there's, while I would say it's de minimis, there's credit risk. Okay. However, if you go to the futures exchange, um, you, you have credit risk, but it's a different order of magnitude because the exchange guarantees every trade. All the members of the exchange are on the hook. Yep. So you ain't got a problem there. So my guess is the Druck went out and bought a bunch of two-year futures. And uh, in addition to that, he was short 30-year treasuries. Now, I don't know if this will be up in time, but... Uh, you have that Bloomberg page I sent you. I do. Um, so for our listeners, on our website, I have posted a Bloomberg screenshot which shows the U.S. Treasury market. And um, I did this for two reasons. I want to show an example. But more importantly, the marketing department wants us to drive tra traffic to the website. I, I you know, I, I just work here. Right. So are you, are you looking at the screen? I am. Okay. I got my terminal open. There you go. So if you look sort of on the left-hand column in the middle, you'll see current when issued notes and bonds. Yep. And then, okay. So basically this is a listing of what we call the on the run treasury securities. So as you've all read in the newspaper, they issue treasury securities all the time. And for a period of time, uh, the most recent issued security would be referred to as the current. So if you wanted to trade the current two-year, you would just say, better off for the two-year. And it, it would be kind of the colloquial way to trade these things. And so what we have here is a listing of all of the current issues. So the 5% the of October 13, 31, 2025, known as the two-year note. You read across, that's the price is par 6 plus, offered at par 6 and 5 A's. So it's a very tight, it is an example on a million dollars, that spread from par six plus to par six and five A's is $39.06 per million. Okay. So in the business, we call that tighter than a frog's ass. Really right? looking for yield there. <laughs> so what I want to show you here is what the goat has done. Let me ask you a question. Is that normal for that to be that tight? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it's typical. Okay. I mean, during times of crises, it will widen out. But this is more often than not the way it is. And by the way, on those prices, ginormous size. Like, uh, I would imagine on the two-year note, it's six and five ace. You could buy a billion dollars, no yep. problem. Easily, yeah. I mean, in fact... It would be so easy. We wouldn't refer to that as a billion. We would call that a yard. A yard. Yeah, I know. I know. So, yeah. <laughs> I forget who you traffic with. Yeah. Yeah. She's talking to the audience here. 
<laughs> so um, why I think it's important if the audience gets a chance to, to look at this page, I, I there's things here that I, I think are significant. So what the goat has done is he has put on a curve trade, meaning he thought the shape of the curve looked wrong and it would be ultimately a normal shape curve, meaning the shorter maturities would have a lower yield and the longer maturities would have a higher yield. And I think last week I opined that as a professional trader, uh, I would only put on arbitrage trades that paid me while I was waiting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he has put this curve trade on, except the dynamic is such that he's paying every day to be in that trade. Meaning if it doesn't move in his favor every day, he loses money. So um, before we we go too much further, there's an interesting dynamic here, which I don't want to say I've only seen it, you know, five times in my career, but it I haven't seen it 20 times in my career. On this day, um, which I, I suspect was Friday, mm -hmm. two-year note, the one that the goat was long a massive amount of is down on the day. Well, not only simultaneously, but at the same time, the 30 year note, which she is short of was up. Up. I know. 15. Basis. So, you know, um, correlation is not causality, but generally, and when I say generally, north of 90% of the time, the interest rates move in the same direction. So to see something like this, it's noteworthy. Uh, the, the most noteworthy example of this was when I was a youngster at Aubrey Lanston and they had the Plaza Accord to weaken the dollar. Yeah, I, really, yeah, I know that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those days where I believe the two-year note took off to the upside and the long bond shit the bet because the weakening dollar people were concerned was going to create inflation, yada, yada, yada. I don't know that anything in particular happened on Friday to cause the market to do this. My suspicion is, and keep in mind, you know, I'm retired and I don't have many, uh, contacts in the business anymore. But my suspicion is so many people expect the curve to normalize, meaning upward sloping, that the gang is all, you know, piled in on the on the wrong side. And as what many traders, including our executive producer, Leslie Harris would say, the market's job is to shake the people and see who falls out. And, and this is a good example of, uh, of that. So a guy like the Druck, I mean, to him, it's not about the money. It's all about the game, right? But to go out in public and say, I think the shape of the curve is wrong, I, I agree with him. I think the shape of the curve is wrong. 
And I think over time, it will normalize. But as I've said in the past, and why I've virtually eliminated all of these paid subscriptions is, in the end, it's not about being right. It's about making money. Hence my comment about, um, I only want to be in on trades that I know are going to be for a long time that pay me to be in them. Because, you know, unless you know of a specific catalyst to make the trade work, and, and there are a number, you know, I think I gave you the example of futures contracts expire in 90 days, or treasury auctions can be a catalyst, or the year end, the the cleaning up of balance sheets can make trades work, okay. Um, but there isn't the catalyst to make the curve become normal. Is time on his side or is time against him? Again, a huge against him. Totally against him. But wait, there's more. Just, just to, uh, to test old chestnuts recollection, I I had a bad day yesterday. I, I had an anger management issue, which I don't know if we'll have time to discuss, but I, I it was it was an ugly moment. Maybe one of the worst ever, but we'll go back to that then. We'll come back to that. Hopefully. Please. Um I said, you know, the drug, as I said earlier, probably bought two-year futures. And, uh, you know, um, back in the day when I worked at Greenwich Capital, we had uh, the intermediate term covered with uh, myself and uh, EG. Um, and the front end, the, um, let's say the three-year note and in, Mm -hmm. was run by two guys whose names I don't have permission to use, but I will refer to them by their uh, nom de guerre, um, Mr. Shoes and Giant. Okay. Now, they were specialists. They may still well be. I don't know if they're working. But they ruled that two-year future with an iron fist. Mr. Shoes and the giant. Just giant. Giant, by the way, was in his year, the third smartest guy in China. Come on. Uh, apparently, and, and oh, this has been verified, they give tests to the Chinese kids. I believe it, yep. And he, Killed he, it. he came like third. <laughs> and, he, and you guys got a hold of <laughs> you guys. Are oh yeah, well because he, he he came in as a summer intern, and he got to be friendly with Mr. Shoes, Smart. and and yeah, and he, really good, really good, really good guy. Um, he did one day, uh, and I and I chose to ultimately admire him for this. Uh, Giant had this trade on called the, the Thai bot basket. Now, as you know, the Thai bot was or is a currency 
was. And yeah. it was sort of pegged to the dollar and there was some kind of ARB. And this was one of those learning experiences for me where I didn't really understand the trade, but it seemed like it was a thing to do. And um, it went south, meaning we went the wrong way and, and uh, guys were starting to unwind it. And I met um, executive producer Leslie Harris to play uh, that angry game uh, I'm trying to eliminate called golf. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I remember uh, Leslie saying, tonight guys are going to get a lesson in the forwards. Now, so there's different ways you settle trades beyond the scope of this discussion. But um, Giant had taken half of the trade off, but he needed the market in Asia to open to take the other half off. And uh, needless to say, to cover the short, we ended up paying a thousand percent, literally 1000%. Now it was 1000% for one day. Yep. Okay. But thousands of thousand. Yep. Um, and why I bring it up, not to, to poke fun at Giant, but to praise him because there was no whining. He he took it like a fucking man. He manned up. He owned it. The whole thing. We took the hit, and and we moved on. But anyway, so you have Mister Shoes and the Giant, who worked with me and EG for years. Again, why am I bringing this up? Well, the goat, the Druck, is now long a ginormous what was his a massive yeah, amount yeah massive massive yeah, yeah okay so i was sitting this morning at the breakfast table admiring the blue sky and the sun and you can already tell my mood has improved right and i'm thinking about you know what are we going to talk about do i want to focus on my meltdown yesterday at the front gate or do i you know do we want to talk about the market oh, 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 this happened at the front gate <laughs> This we're going was, back. We'll go back. We'll go back. I just, just, it's yeah, just the front gate. This is a yeah. good if you're if you're teasing this, this is good. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. Good is all relative. I you know, I've got children who listen, but in any event, um I realized that if the goat was long two-year note futures, it's more likely than not that he bought them from Giant and Mr. Shoes. And so I texted executive producer E.G. Fisher and I said, are two year note futures rich? And he said, yeah. And I won't put the number on it, but based on what he told me, they're really rich. And now what does that mean? What that means is when the goat goes to get out of these two-year notes, these guys are going to put him in the fucking potato sack and started beating him relentlessly. And that's if he's smart, okay? If he's not smart and he tries to do the calendar spread with them. If, he's if he thinks he's clever, yeah. 
No, Nishkit, do not, you know, I'm telling you, it's, you're talking about guys who know what they're doing. And Stan may be the greatest stock trader ever. And Mr. Shoes and Giant may not be the greatest futures traders ever. But they're pretty fucking close. And Stan doesn't have the mechanisms that these guys have. Yeah, he's dabbling in the bond market. He's not a bond. Yeah, operator, he's, right? he's. I think he kind of publicly, I think he kind of hinted at that. And he said, you know, and, and dude, he, he publicly, I mean, it's on, he's been real upfront about buying the top of whatever, of 01 or whatever, where he got, yeah. he got caught up in the, in the hysteria and made a yeah. big move and he yeah. learned from that. So, yeah. you know, it's not a flawless track record. <laughs> well, so why I wanted to bring this up. Not that I revel in this poor guy's loss of wealth, because I know it's everyone struggles to make ends meet. But we're going to get to see in real time, assuming he still has the trade on, how he gets himself out of this position. Because, you know, you're talking about a lot of two-year note futures. And, uh, you know, these guys know how to extract a pound of flesh. Which is why I go back to the calendar spread. One of the things we used to do would be try and keep the front contract fair enough value and push the, the advantage to the back contract and let guys kind of feel like oh, they're getting some breathing space and they can push the problem off three months. And then we had them. Yeah, then you, you're setting yeah. the hook and you're just letting them oh, get a little Oh, yeah, you just send an outline. And we would literally have the, these trades on for a couple of years. Yeah. And the beauty of the thing is people don't, it's like the common mistake is people will say, well, I don't have you know, negative carry because I got two-year futures. You know, it's like, that's almost as bad as saying you have a net jet share to me. <laughs> <laughs> you think because you don't pay an interest charge that yeah. the futures give it to you for free? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's up there with checks in my mouth. Right, right. Wow. So anyway, uh, you know, I've babbled enough about that, but it is interesting to see, to me, you have this confluence of events where the front end goes down in price, up in yield, and the long end goes up in price, down in yield, in an environment where you would expect the opposite to be mm -hmm. happening. And, and I think if memory serves, I mentioned my old colleague uh, Rico would tell me about being in a political market, you know, the best thing to do is to get out because rationality uh, leaves, you know, leaves the theater. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I know for me, not being hampered by having investors or leverage, it's been pretty, uh, you know, I guess this is a quasi-hava, 
it's been pretty much easy pickings because, you know, as I would, we would talk about, you know, early investing, you know, decide what your goals are and then kind of back into those sorts of things. So for me, you know, we got the levels that I thought were, you know, relatively safe and unlevered. And, you know, as if they crapped on things, we judiciously picked picked them up. And and I remember at one point during our discussions, I said to you about munis, you know, you can always sell a muni. You can't always buy one. And so, you know, I had bought a bunch with our our gang and uh, they were marked pretty good against me. Um, but oddly enough, as uh, uh, the worm turned, all of a sudden I got a call. Um, people were looking for some of the things we have. And, you know, I wouldn't say I'm in the same league as Mr. Shoes or Giant in terms of extricating the last couple of basis points. But, you know, when I have something people need and I don't need to sell it, I, you know, I'm pretty good at negotiating. So I think, as my brother is fond of saying, I made most of my money sitting on my hands. I, I think I'll, I'll sit, yeah. sit for a while. So, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what, uh, what else really. I, um, continue to see Kathy Wood, uh, you know, like the joke, where's the most dangerous place? It's the space between Kathy Wood and a camera. <laughs> really? um, I almost wonder if anyone, any uh, broker who has their client invested with her, whether they are violating their fiduciary responsibility because she's clearly got issues. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, I think I said earlier about, you know, um, the narcissistic personality disorder. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know. How do you feel about your buddy Billy Ackman coming out and uh, just, just, Dude, he loves Twitter. He loves to talk on Twitter and he has an opinion about everything. And before the um before the Nazi flags had even stopped waving, he was uh standing by his man, Elon Musk, pronouncing him not an anti-Semite, um, which is just a tough take to to, to be taken um from him on Twitter. Knowing his hit, well, he clarified that it's not his personal investment; it's Pershing Square's investment in Twitter. Okay, oh, yeah, like right, guns okay. don't kill, people kill. Exactly. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for clarifying that. I, I um, don't. I to in the money part, I believe Bill is telling the truth. I I, I think whatever his views are are his views. Mm -hmm. um, he's not doing it for the money, although. He puts his money based on his views. So I, you know, I, I struggle with that. Mm -hmm. I, I also think that having um, the uh, emotional problems that Elon Musk has, um, the um, autism, 
you know, they have, and I, I, I don't mean to be mean, uh, but he has, a, by his own admission, he's autistic. Yeah, Asperger's, he says, yeah. Well, yeah. but that's... Right, right, spectrum, it's, yeah. It's, it, it, no, it it's autism. Mm -hmm. It's plain and simple. Mm -hmm. And so when you go look up characteristics of autistic people, you know, they have trouble with social cues. They have, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the fact that he goes in and parses out single words of a letter from Osama bin Laden, because that's part of the illness, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why Bill needs to go and try and defend an autistic person, I, I, I'm confused a little bit. But since you mentioned Bill, um, who, as I've told you, he and I were business partners and AAA guy, yep. unbelievably generous, the whole thing. Yep. But you had mentioned uh, the Vanity Fair article about him taking on Dan Loeb to a bike ride. Now, my it's my favorite. I, it's my favorite. Let, let's just chat about it a little bit because I, I, I think this was kind of fun. So at one of these hedge fund conferences when I was working with EG and we were in the fundraising mode, I met Dan Loeb. And when I say I met him, I shook hands with him. Maybe 15 seconds of conversation. Like, I talked to Jerry Seinfeld longer than I talked to, to Dan Loeb. But I'll tell you something. That guy is fit as fuck. Okay? I think he was a surfer. Try guy. Yeah, he's a triathlete. So, yeah, he's got yeah. the... Yeah. 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 You know, I can, you can just tell. You know, the custom-made shirt. There's yeah. no... There's no ounce. I mean, it was like me when people were telling me to eat a sandwich kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that ship has sailed, by the way. But in, in any event, um, so you tell the story. Like there was a, a supposed to be a bike ride. Yeah, so 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 Dan and Bill are in, in Bridgehampton. They're out in Bridgehampton in the summertime, and they're going to go for a bike ride. And I believe they were going to go out towards Montauk and meet another group. All right, so Dan and Bill go out, um, and and to, and normally, like, say you're going to meet the other group, you you, you probably you you know the general etiquette is you slow down. Hey, Morris, good to see you. Ed, how you doing? Bill, good to see you. Okay, Dan, nice. All right, we're heading out to the lighthouse. All right, chit chat for maybe two minutes, and then you can spool up and go. Apparently, Bill didn't even slow down. So they there's the intersection on, on Sunrise Highway there where Dan slows down to meet his six friends and chit-chat, and Bill blows by them, okay? Really poor form in the cycling community, okay? Heading, heading downwind. Yeah, downwind. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so Bill hammers it, gaps these guys off, off the front, and he's, you know, he's winning the race, which is incredibly poor form on a group ride, especially with a bunch of dudes, probably guys he didn't even know. OK, so there's there's multiple, multiple well, problems. Pl plus the race is out and back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is why I asked about the direction of the wind. 
but but it wasn't even a race. It was supposed to be just a ride, the group ride, you know. So like, well, those, you know that the joke the women tell. What's right. what do you call three guys on a bike? Yeah. A race. A race. Yeah. No, I know. Um. So he gaps them, and then he blows up. Okay, blows up. Where like if it sucks, like you, you, there, it sounds ridiculous. Vanity Fair made it sound like he got shot. Okay, and he was like nursing a like a a wheezing chest wound. Okay, <laughs> really, he, he got leg cramps, which sucks on a bike. And yeah, you can't pedal. That sucks. Okay, <laughs> but. It's embarrassing if you blow up the ride and then you blow up. Okay. That is. And let me tell you something, folks. Montauk to Bridgehampton is maybe 15 of the flattest fucking miles in the East Coast. Okay. So my daughter could skip pedal her tricycle faster than Bill could pedal home. All right. One guy waited for him, nursed him back. But wait, there's more. Instead of like emailing Dan and the other guys in the group being like, Hey, sorry, I was a douche. That was pretty, you know, like, thank, or, or emailing the guy, thanks for waiting. It took him weeks or months to like apologize for being a clown on the ride. So, dude, that really shines a light into someone. Okay. And I personally, I'm going to judge him for that. Okay. <laughs> I am going to draw conclusions about you personally from that. Okay. <laughs> I, it might, it might be wrong. Okay. And it might not be fair, but that's in the public record. Yeah. And that tells me a lot of things that I, that I want to know about the person. Okay. I know people that have done that. I have, I don't think I've done it myself because I knew better. Okay, but it's very, very, very telling. Okay, the way someone operates in a small group, okay, is indicative of them as an overall person. Okay, so I understand you're competitive and you think you're athletic, but this is really there's multiple, multiple issues with this bill. Um, so I'm not going to let you live that down. And if I see you again at the party, I'm going to break your balls about it. <laughs> to, aug to augment what my colleague Liam has said. There are, I think it's called the Velomate. Yeah, it's yeah, the, rules. the rules of cycling. Yes. And I think there's 99 rules of cycling. I'll post them. But, I'll post them. <laughs> the rules. Um, rule number five. Okay. I've had a doctor, I've had a legitimate MD say to me, you need to think about rule number five. <laughs> and rule number five is, Harden the fuck up. Okay. So maybe guys in Lycra seem a little strange, but <laughs> it's it's the fucking Marines. And, you know, the beatings continue well past morale improving. Um, yeah. the, but I, and I think I'd mentioned this before. So Ed and I would go to these meetings and Bill would be there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Ed and I were really fit. Ed, Ed has always been a better cyclist than me. He he really gets the strategy. There have been times in our lives where I might have been a little fitter or Ed might have been a little fitter. But Ed has always been a, a better rider than me. Let me, so say I, this. And I, and let me talk about judging cyclists. And I'll give you a perfect example. When I first met Ed, Ed had gray hair. And I'd be like, oh, I'm going to drop this old timer. No problem. <laughs> Every time I looked over my shoulder, right there on my back wheel is Ed. 
Okay, I learned yeah. that was a learning. I was a little punk kid, and I was like, "Oh, this old timer, I'll get rid of. Him. He'll be gone real quick." Him and Morris want to chit chat. Oh, we're gonna get rid of them real quick. Wrong, dude. Undroppable, undroppable. And here I am at forty-two. Ed's got to have twenty years on me. I am washed up now. Ed'll ride my legs off tomorrow morning. Okay, so yeah, to Morris's point, Ed is a beast. One of my favorite Stragma posts was yours where you said something like old chestnut had me on the rivet with 20 K to go or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that, that was the highlight, but Ed and I had concocted this scheme that um, we were going to see if we could somehow trick Ackman into challenging us to a bike race. <laughs> and um, I don't care I mean, this is years ago, and I've had life-changing events, so I can't ride like this anymore. But Ed and I, uh, I don't think you were there. We went to a, a sponsor event in Minnesota. Ed was there. Mike was there. Matt was there. We rode a sub-five-hour century ride. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, we, we were fucking ripping it. And... Uh, that would have been a lot of fun to take on uh, take on Ackman. I, I'd love to see him try Leadville if he's looking for a challenge. I that to me is the you know yeah. that's the Mount Everest of, of cycling. So, but all right, um, let's hear about the incident. So, what happened? You get to the gate and they wouldn't let you in, <sighs> right? That's got to be it. I mean, you I, get to the gate, I, you haven't been there. Can we talk about Canada first nope, and then we'll nope, come back? I don't back? care about Canada. Nope, it's cold. They got problems. The prime minister. All right. Canada. So Go ahead. I live in the winter in this area, uh, Scottsdale. It's called Silverleaf. And I picked it because uh, my daughter's uh, father-in-law had bought a place here. And our friend Mike had bought a place here. And um, we wanted a winter place. So this just kind of uh, uh, seemed very normal. So it's one of these high-end communities where there's like the guard gate and there's one side to come in and one side to go out. And so I may have mentioned last year, I found I, I couldn't get in and out of the electric Porsche. No. no. Oh, yeah, to it's too low to the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I said to EG, is like, you know, is there something wrong with me? He's like, what do you mean? I said, I like got to crawl out of the thing. He's like, <laughs> he's like, Doc, it's a sports car. <laughs> That's how you get in. And, and, and then I decided the electric cars were bad for the environment. So anyway, my neighbor suggested I get this Porsche uh, uh, Taycan. Mm -hmm. Taycan? No, oh, you got the Cayenne, the truck. You got the truck. Yeah, the truck. Yeah. You got, you got rid of the Taycan, you got the Cayenne. Okay, yeah. But I got the, the CTS one, which okay. goes zero to 60 as fast as the electric. Zoom. And, and the ad says, one of the reviews says, it drinks dinosaur blood, which... <laughs> so cool. anyway, I've fallen in love with this car. And... Um, I had it in Connecticut, uh, but I want to drive it in Arizona. So I contact my neighbor, who's a wonderful guy, and he he 
buys and sells cars left and right. So there's a car being dropped off in front of his house like once a week. And right. and I don't mean any car. Like yeah, I get it. He got this Ferrari that was part electric, part gas. Nice. I, 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 whatever. So he gives me the name of the trucking company. And I called the guy up and I said, I'm a friend of so-and-so. Where are you? I said, Greenwich. She's like, uh, well, you're a friend of Mr. So-and-so, so we'll do it. And he looks on the map and he says, I, I can't get my truck down your street in Greenwich. And I said, yeah, I, I know that. But if you drive towards me, there's a street called Mountainwood and you can pull, pull there. Well, anyway, he calls back and says, I can't drive down Mountainwood. The truck's too big. Yep, yep. Um, he said, well, I'll just park on Lake Avenue. <laughs> Lake Avenue, folks, is like a windy two-lane, double yeah, right. three-line. So, You're not parking a semi on Lake Avenue. <laughs> so he comes and he parks the semi on Lake Avenue. And <laughs> I bring the car down the lane. And out jumps, like, the gentle giant. Like, the nicest guy. And at that very moment, the cop car shows up and, you know, the lights don't go on, but the cop gets out of the car and he starts talking to this gentle giant. And next thing you know, they're laughing, high-fiving, and the car goes on the truck and he says, I'll, I'll, and this is like Wednesday. Yeah. He said, I'll, I'll be at your house Friday. I'm like, great. So we have this app. You you put in the name and the company. And when they show up, the guard looks and he says, okay. So I do all that stuff. And, and I'm kind of hanging around, you know, cutting up boxes and stuff. And uh, the guy calls and he said, the guy at the gate won't, won't let me in. I said, what do you mean? He said, they say we're not allowed to drive trucks of this size into the into the development. And I told the guy, I've delivered 50 cars here. So they go back and forth, back and forth. And um, I, I realized th there's an impasse. So I get in one of my cars and I drive to the front gate. And as I, I drive out, there's... It's chaos, right? There's cars everywhere. And I realize, having been through this situation before, if I low-key the thing, I'm going to be there for a couple hours. Yep. So I park the car such that nobody can leave the compound. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. And now there's a line of rich people waiting to get out. Perfect. And um, I'm going back and forth. The truck driver's going back and forth. The policeman is there. I don't remember where the lights are flashing. They want the guy to back the semi onto this road called Thompson Peak Parkway, which is a highway. Yeah, okay. Like, people don't ride their bikes on this anymore, even though there's a bike path. Understood. The people get killed. And the guy's like, I cannot offload this car. And, and so they're going back and forth. And in the meantime, there's a line of rich people who can't get out. All right. right. And I'm so angry 
at what's going on. And I'm trying to keep my mouth shut, which, you know, is nay impossible. I start shaking. I'm like, I'm like fucking losing it. I had to sit down. I was so fucking angry. I'm okay. sure. The truck driver comes up and he, he helps me up and he says, I, I will get mm-hmm. your car to your house. Just, just relax. I'll take care of it. And I go back to my car and a couple of these guys, one guy in particular, starts opening his mouth at me about you stupid blah, 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 blah. And I looked at him and <clears throat> I used the F word and then the C word. Can't understand normal thinking. And he walked towards me and he squared up and he looked at me in the eye and said, what did you call me? And I, I repeated it. Mm-hmm. And he kind of shrugged and walked away. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty much how it ended up. <laughs> that was yeah. the end of that. Dude, well, that word, that word, I mean, like, there's, there's nothing. You got it. You've you've ended. The, you heard. Well, the, but see, see, the good news is where I live. I'm not a member of the golf club, so they can't kick me out. Yeah, yeah. But I, in hindsight, it probably wasn't. When I told Cheryl what happened, it it didn't go well. <laughs> It, did, it didn't go well. And then yeah. this is this is the one flaw in her logic. She says, why did you even bother telling me? I said, well, honey, what would you have said if I didn't tell you and you heard about it? Well, right? Transparency but, here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But speaking of Cheryl, I wanted to uh, mention something. Uh, it, it delves into the political realm a little bit, but um, I think it's noteworthy. So they have this um, community of conscience diversity breakfast in Westchester County once a year. And it's very successful. They have something like 400 people from faith leaders, clergy, elected officials. So like George Latimer was there. I think Letitia James, she's okay. She, she sent something, I think, Governor Hochul. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the reason I bring this up is you have all of these people who deal with religion locally and all, all the religions. And these people every year get together, have breakfast together, and celebrate their differences. And they celebrate their similarities. And it's a wonderful event. And it's always sold out. And everyone comes away feeling great about it. And the reason I bring it up is because I like to contrast that with what's going on at the universities of our country, where you have people who expound political beliefs when they're supposed to be teaching kids things about history or science or what whatever. And you have the people in the mix, the religious people, working hard to get along 
and you have the university stirring the pot. And I can tell you, I can tell you the moment this thing collapsed. So Cheryl and I went and paid a visit to youngest daughter at Northwestern University. And um, it it was in the winter because I remember it being real fucking cold. So it had to be sometime uh, after August. <laughs> but youngest daughter had a roommate uh, and she was kind of moping around and we were like, what's going on? And she's like, I'm, I'm so upset that Donald Trump is now president. I don't think I can go to class. And if I have this right, I think they like cancel classes. I think they postpone tests because they had safe spaces for kids. Yep. Give me a fucking break. Yeah. You know, grow up, grow up, you know? You didn't like who was elected president, so you 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 can't carry on. Yeah. What are you going to do later in your life when something bad happens? Oh, dude, it's you a know, generation. And and I I just you see these colleges with these massive endowments. So Harvard, let's take Harvard. They're the low hanging fruit. I don't know what they have now, but when I traded, they had like a forty billion dollar endowment. Now. Being a free market guy, if people want to give their money to Harvard, then you give your money to Harvard. But you get a tax break. So you and I, okay, are funding Harvard's ability to say these completely inappropriate things. Yep. Why do they need $40, $50 billion? I, I mean, they don't need it. They have it. It's the law, but, you know, I, I just, it just sickens me when you hear all this information, which clearly being Jewish, I'm sensitive to uh, the anti-Semitism, but people shouldn't kid themselves. It's like once they get done with the Jews, then they're coming after you. Never. Mm -hmm you know, minority, everyone's part of a, some minority, right? I mean, you might say white middle-aged men aren't a minority on Wall Street and they're coming after them, you know? Um, and, and and I have to tread lightly here because um, we have a, a big audience in Canada, right? And one of my kids is in Canada. And so uh, between me going to visit her and then you and I having to go up there for marketing purposes, um, I don't want any trouble with the government because, you know, we have to get into the border. But it's an interesting, interesting to me. There's talk that, um, you know, Prime Minister Trudeau, his mother was quite the party girl. Uh, back in the day in Studio 54. And I don't bump into Ian Schrager very often, but maybe every two, three, four years, our paths will cross. And apparently there's a rumor that 
uh, Maggie Trudeau had an affair with uh, Castro. Oh, it's a fact. That's not a rumor. That's a fact. Oh, look, you do a side by side picture. You you could do you do those two and you do Sinatra and Ronan Farrow and somebody else. I mean, it's it's a stone cold lock. Well, the, the reason I bring up the Trudeau thing is because he's in there, you know, mouthing off about Gaza and Israel. You know, he, he should he should uh, stick to his own knitting because it sounds like there's something going on where he has diverted a lot of government contracts to businesses uh, yep. that have employed people in his family. This is all hearsay, but you can do your own research. But again, you know, we have a huge audience in Canada. Everybody knows that thanks to um, Kevin Muir that saw something in you and me and decided to give us a break. And now we're, you know, quite serious. But, you know, I, I know sometime next year we have to go up to Yellowknife and Moose Jaw. And, of course, we love to do that meet and greet at the Al Capone Museum. Remember, that was a big hit last year. I know, um, I know. And, uh, you know, you and I like to do that um, KOM segment in Lumsden. Before uh, I forget, before I forget, before I forget, you mentioned Kevin Muir. Um, you want to respond to a friend of the show, uh, the convexity maven, Harley Bassman, who who said that trading the two year is for babies. OK, Harley went on. Harley did a great Harley did a great segment on uh, on uh, what's the name of the show? I'm sorry. The market huddle. He went on a market huddle and he and Kevin. They did their they talked they, and. Harley did his convexity thing, a uh, great segment. And he mentioned uh, it was nice. It was lovely to me- thank you, Kevin, for mentoring uh, Morris and Old Chestnut. Um, but but Harley did say that trading the front end, trading the two year is for babies. So I just, you know, that kind of I took note of that. I just wanted to see if you have a, a formal response. I don't think it was antagonistic. I thought, you know, and he was and he spoke very highly of well, you. But I just did take note of that. So I, I just want to get your answer to that. I. I take, I take, you've really cut into a vein because uh, I am really, and you and EG now are really the last remnants of a great tradition of two year no traders. Okay. So I had worked at Aubrey Lanston, which was. Uh, started by Aubrey Lanston, who was head of bond trading at First Boston. And he went out and raised money from uh, the Eccles family in Salt Lake City. As you know, the Federal Reserve Building, also known as the Eccles Building, okay, uh, there's a relationship there. So as a young man, I got a job at Aubrey G. Lanston, where we were hyper-focused on the two-year note. And the man who was the head at that point, Dick Youngdahl was like uh, chairman emeritus. The guy's name was Jack Freeman. And there was a saying, if Jack Freeman jumped out of a window, you should jump out with him because there was a, a net 
full of money waiting for you. Okay. So I got trained in the two-year note by Jack Freeman and John Ford. Uh, John was more of the bill specialist. Okay. And in that day, that the two-year note, because that's really what's most susceptible to Fed policy. And so I, I, that to me is like, when I'm gone, that's the end of the line. Like the guys who were the, you know, the whippers and drivers. Uh, yeah, that's another one of these sad bits of history that's going to go when when I, when I pass. Although now that you've maybe named your son. Maybe that's good because it cements your legacy. There'll never be another you. So like you've got it stone cold. And if they put it, if they, if that's the end of it, if there's, that's great. You're, it's like Babe Ruth. You're not, you're never gonna have another babe. Yeah. Hot dogs, Although, beers, and hit 60 home runs. <laughs> with, with my performance at the gate yesterday, I, uh, everyone's going to be pretty fucking happy. There's not going to be another me. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what, the thing about Harley, and um, I could have sworn he said he, he didn't know who I was. No, which... no, he said he just said I don't know Morris personally. Okay, which in okay. front, which to me means he listens to the show every week, so he feels like he knows. Well, you. I, I, I've traded billions of dollars of options with him. Okay, and I've met him in person maybe once or twice. Okay, okay. well he's being but, respectful. Okay, but what I found perplexing is. First of all, very talented man. No question about it. I, I think he is the real deal. 100%. But what, you know, our job here, our um, mission statement is pretty simple. And it's not the destruction of Israel from sea to sea or whatever they, no. Our mission here is pretty simple. Balls and strikes, right? Okay. So for years, Harley would put out his research pieces pro bono, and I would scrutinize them because they were they were elegant. Uh, he has this uh, OCD thing with picking colors. Like he won't say red; it'll be like burnt orange. I I don't know, but that that was his thing. Right. And more power to him. He's giving back by talking about. But he would routinely pontificate about taking time off and taking vacations. And no one on their deathbed ever said they. And he said, don't take a vacation and go to the Four Seasons, you know, get in the car, see America, yada, yada, yada. All completely appropriate. But what what I am troubled now with and with now, and especially given that interview, which I, I didn't feel like anybody brought their A game to that interview, frankly. Um, he's hawking this product, which is a long dated put. Okay. Now, look, I know we joke a lot about charging and this and that. But we don't we don't take any money. There's no sponsors. We won't even interview people, right? Because it's just just you and me talking, right? Why is Harley 
it got to be north of 60. Going around doing grants, conference, talking to Kevin Muir, talking to a product, like be spend time with your grandkids. So you know, dude, so what are you, you know, what, what at this point in your life, this is what you want to be doing. He sounds like he's having fun. He sounds like he enjoys it, dude. He's, you know, I asked you last night while I was sitting at home last night, I'm sitting on my couch. All right. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here as I'm staring at the 210 yield curve chart at 9.30 on a Saturday night? I'm saying to myself, what, what kind of fucking loser am I now? I was like, and then I'm saying, loser. well, this is- <laughs> you've, you've, reached, you've achieved total consciousness. I know. Whenever I, know. I meet people and they talk about the show, they're like, where's Liam work? And I said, we have an agreement not to discuss it. They're like, Goldman. I go, I, I can't think. Morgan Stanley, I, listen, you can ask me all day long, but we respect his privacy and, and, and there it is. So I, you know, my hats off to you uh, for how far Thank you've you. come and you do put in a lot of hard work and I, I admire that. I mean, first of all, you picked up right away. It's, it's twos, tens, not tens, twos. Not going to make that mistake yeah. twice. Okay. Dude, yeah, speaking, of that, speaking of people asking, talking to me and, and talking about the show, I was at a little event yesterday um, and I bunched, I bumped into a friend of yours. Okay. All right. Okay. And he says, and he goes, you know, I listen to the show. I love the show. He goes, and he said the same. And he goes, where do you work? And I said, and I told him where I work. And I said, you're familiar with that shop. And he goes, I am. And, he, and we laughed about it. Okay. And then he was like, you know, he goes, I can't believe that's where he's like, I had no idea. He goes, how do you how do you do? He's like, how are you so on top of it? And Ed standing next to me. Ed goes, oh, he studies. And I was like, oh, yeah. I just laughed out loud. I, said, I do. I said, I said, Rich, I pay attention, you know, and I talk to, you know, I do a little bit of prep. I said, you know, but it comes across, it comes across well, you know. Um, and he said, you know, he goes, I really, you know, I enjoyed the show. I think he said the show is smarter than it seems. He had a, he said something really clever about it. And he said, he goes, it's not just about one, you know, it's not, it's not, it's yeah. more than it seems is what he said. All right. And, and I know who you're, I know who you're talking about. And that's the highest praise that man will ever give anybody. Right. But I, I, I'll, I'll, and this is a little sycophantic, but you're very bright. I mean, I, 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 you're as well read as anybody I've ever met. You write as well as anybody. Uh, I, I, you know, the fact that you got into this stuff a little late and now you've mastered it, I, it does not surprise me at all. I, you know, so anyway. It was the two year, you know, if I, you, you got me, you got me from my life mission, which was shorting shit codes. Okay. All right. So like I stopped with that nonsense and, you know, finding the, the calling in the two year, which is just such a rewarding daily, you know, it's just, it's just a wonderful, stable presence. Okay. That it, it's, it's just been it's a real calming. Calm. Yeah. It's calming. Exactly. It's, it's, calming. it's almost, it's almost like a, um, an Asian philosophy, right? It's like, be like water, right? Right. Water flows. When water goes into the cup, it becomes the cup. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of like you talk about like the immersiveness. Like it is really like my it rules my life now. <laughs> like Saturday night, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just reading, I'm looking at the two-year chart. I'm sending it to my other friend. He's like, What the fuck are you sending me? I was like, Well, I just want you to be up to date for the show tomorrow. I want you to know what yeah. the did this week. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, maybe I should get going because I see some police cars pulling up in front of me. <laughs> Right. Make sure you wave at the gate on the way out, you know. See, like, yeah, with all the paparazzi. Uh, oh, by the way, I don't watch the show, but there's a TV show, The Crown. I think my parents watch it. Yeah. Apparently, from what I've heard, tonight's episode talks about the Lady Diana debacle. Oh, oh, oh! oh. Let me go back to your neighbor. I have one more question, completely off topic. You're back in Arizona. They still building the houses up in your, are they done in your development? Are they still building in the development? Not really. Are they selling? Are they selling in the development? Nah, stuff slowed down here. Okay. Yeah, okay. it slowed down. Okay. So they're yeah. not flying off. They're not, it's not, it's not where do I sign and I'll take the furniture anymore out there. No. No, it's now. It's slowed down. I think the prices are down five to eight percent. Okay, but it's it, there's no feeding frenzy. Okay, I think I think it's going to be a long time before we see that again. Yep. So, okay. All if right, you're thinking of coming this I, way, I can find a nice lot for you. <laughs> yeah. Fucking pile of sand. Are we uh, given uh, it's Thanksgiving? Are we going to podcast next week? Well, let's leave it up to the audience. Uh, if you guys want a Thanksgiving show, you, you email me if you feel strongly about it. I, I mean, I'm around. I love talking to you. I, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Your girl's coming out? We got the whole crew. Oh, the gang's yeah, coming out? All right, so that maybe on the weekend. Maybe on... That's if they let them through the front gate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, buddy. I'll see you soon. Take care. Be well. <laughs>